Take your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And uh, I, I've thought, how many of you guys have ever, and I, want, I, know, I know some of you guys, you guys come to church, you got to be all trim and proper, you know, acting like you don't have issues or you don't get mad. How many of you guys ever get mad? Raise your hand. Be honest. Okay. How many of you got mad at something this morning? Raise your hand. We have an altar. For all you sinners that got up and kicked the dog before you walked out to worship Jesus, okay? Yelled, have any of you, just, just out of curiosity, have any of you been driving the church and you're irritated with the guy before you, in front of you, and they're stopping, going slow, and drinking their coffee, and you're just like, come on, and you're beeping at them and everything, and then you get to the church and they pull in with you. If that was you this morning, it made me mad, and I want to see you after service, okay? (laughs) This makes me mad. It works when it wants to work. And it's labeled as a smartphone. And sometimes it is the dumbest thing I have in my life. Okay? And, and I'll, I'll sit there and I'll be like, I need you to work. And you can talk to it. And it talks back to you. And sometimes when you don't want it to talk to you, that's when it's talking to you. And, and when you want it to do the simplest things, and I hate the advertisement of it, it says, you know, fastest phone out there, lightning speeds, and they have all these fancy commercials. And I say, if you guys would take half the money you dump into the commercial about how well it works, and you dump that into the phone to make it work, I'd be happy. I get frustrated. And it has features and combinations and all these things that it does and it's supposed to do and things like that. Now, I know that's just common practice to some of you guys I remember back in the day when phones, now I, I know, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, this is, this is truth. For some of you guys, you're going to think, uh-uh, phones used to just call people. I'm serious. I'm not kidding. There was a day and age that phones only called people. That, that's all they did. And they had antennas on them. And you would pull out, and you pull out the antenna and stuff. But I remember one time, I got my, one of my first phones that had the MP3 feature on it, okay? So you could play music on it. And no joke, I'm sitting on that front pew. And my phone plays music. And I, I didn't know how to use it or turn it on or turn it off or whatever. I just knew that I did it. Pastor Denoff is up here. And there's a casket right here. And he's preaching. And somehow I went to check something. And I turned on the MP3 player on my phone. And it is playing loud. And I couldn't figure out what to do. So in a heartbeat, I threw it under my leg, pulled my leg down as hard as I could until I smothered the speaker and it went in play. But towards the end of it, it got quieter and quieter. And now all of a sudden, people are crying and praying and doing all these things. And my leg, no joke, if I even pulled my leg up a little bit, it just would play music. So I'm like shaking and my whole body's shaking. And I'm like, I guarantee you, Pastor Denoff was like, what is wrong with that dude? And, and, I couldn't, and I couldn't figure out how in the world, God, my leg is giving out. This thing is going to blare music at this funeral. My heart was racing. I'm sweating like crazy. I hate this thing. 
It is also a point of contention between my wife and I. Because she gets the exact same phone as I do, and she goes, I don't have any of the problems you have. She goes, it works fine for me. And I'm like, well, this won't work, and this won't work. And then she has to pull that smart card on me, where she says, well, did you update your apps? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And then she'll be like, did you turn this off when you did that? Because you know you can't have both of those applications going at the same time. And do you ever clear out your applications? And when's the last time you, you updated from lollipop to, you know, ice cream cone or whatever all those things are? I'm like, I didn't do any of that. She goes, it came with a book. Did you read the book? Because it does not work unless you do it right. And so she takes my phone it's all cocky, <laughs> fixes my phone and hands it back to me. And I'm like, all right, so maybe it was, a it was maybe me and not the phone. And that's hard pill to swallow. Here's the thing. And I mean this with all my heart. Everything that God gave us in the Bible works. Amen. It works. And, and sometimes when we don't get something to work right, it's because we skip. You know, I remember doing this setup and it has a bunch of words on the page and it'll be like, skip, 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 skip. You know, I'm just like, I just want to make phone calls. And, you know, I just want to get to that point where I can do that. And I think sometimes with church, we do that and God lays out the foundation of this is how it works. This is what you do. You, you, you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and we, we came to a passage where God gave us four instructions, four things that he did, and we're, we're going to finish this out. Now, let me review a little bit. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. They were together. They were a family. They were the church. The church continued. The family continued steadfastly look at verse 44 and all that believed were together and they had all things in common now i heard this theory that you remember more by what you say than by what you hear and you remember more by what you see than if you just hear something and combine them together so i'm going to put a little bit of test because I, I might be doing this tonight and i'm going to experiment with you guys this morning Okay, let, let me first put that, that, that they worked together. Let's put it like this. They were united. So let me ask church, what were they? United. That was pathetic. They were what? United. They were together. They were united. They, they, whatever, they, they said, whatever we're going to face, we're going to face together. Every step we, we face together. The challenges in life we face together. They were united together. The word of God brought them together. They believed together. They ministered together. They faced life together. The church only works if they were united. United we stand. Divided we fail. Divided we fall. A house, according to scripture, a house divided against itself, that house cannot stand. They were united. They built together, and they weren't perfect. They weren't perfect by any means, but they had things in common. That's the fact that they were all sinners by, saved by grace, and we mess up. We all mess up. But they were together, united together to go forward through the blood of Jesus Christ. They were not only united, the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly. 
steadfastly. That means to earn it, to be earnest towards, to persevere, to constantly be diligent. So they were united and they were committed. They were united, the church was committed. They, they were united and they were also what? Committed. 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 Guys, I'm not making this up. I'm not just some pastor up here saying, well, let, let me come out with a no, I'm taking it straight from scripture. They were steadfastly together. Committed moving forward. That's what they were doing. Literally meaning that as a church, it cannot be in and out. It can't be sometimes and sometimes not. It's not a casual encounter. It's a priority. Let me put it like this. Church works when the people are committed. Let me put it like this. The church does not work if the church is not committed. We must be. Let me say, it's not bad to be committed to work. You should be. It's not bad to be committed to sports or activities or a game or whatever it is. But like I was preaching this morning in Sunday school, anytime you are more committed to something than you are committed to God, then that has just become a God. God demands the preeminence in our life. God demands to be first. He is the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is first. He is first. In finances, God is first. And in our time, he is first. In our energy, he is first. In our passion, he is first. God will not take second place in anything. He is first. And the priority of the church was not an option. So we studied these four things, or we studied two of them. They were connected through absolute truth. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It wasn't the doctrine of the apostles. It was God's doctrine. But the apostles were the one giving it. When we come together, we have teachers and leaders. The Bible says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That's what we do when we come together. We teach, we go to classes, I help you, you help me, you help others, you teach in classes, that's what we do. It wasn't just made up, it wasn't like, well, honey, do we really need to go to church today? It's like, honey, do we really need to grow in our faith? Honey, do we really need to go and learn more about God? You say, I can study your Bible at home. You absolutely should, and you, you absolutely are commanded of God to do that. But you're also commanded for other Christians to get around you and for iron to sharpen iron. Literally means what I know could rub off on you and what you know could rub off on me. And when we're both done learning what we learn from each other, we're going to be better and stronger and sharper for Christ. They studied together. They were connected to each other. They, They weren't just... They're learning the Bible. The Bible says, and they fellowship. That was a partnership. Partnership literally was talking about doing life together. We intentionally come alongside of each other in the hurts and the good and the bad. And the Bible also said that definition is uh, uh, talking about participation. We engage, we jump in, we don't just watch. If there's something that I could, man, get across to all of us this morning, and I'm not beating you up. Man, I love you. I want the word of God to speak to every one of us. And I, you're going to say, you just sound like a broken record. According to the Bible, if this is what church is, and this is what we do, we cannot walk in, sit down, stand up, walk out, and call that church. You just can't. It might have been attending, 
But it definitely wasn't engaging. That the very essence, the very definition of the word fellowship means to engage. We engage in each other's lives, but there's more. Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So here's the third thing we learned. They were connected through communion. Now I'm going to be honest. I got to this and I thought, I know what this means. Breaking of bread, I, I, I absolutely know what this means. They were connected through, in, in, the, in verse 46, we'll see in a minute, it talks about how they went house to house and breaking of bread. And we'll get to that here in a minute. But in that passage, I thought that can't mean communion. Like me and you think of communion. You know, we come in and we put up the table and this is my cup and this is the bread and all this other stuff because I'm thinking, it can't be like one of the foundations. Is it an ordinance of the church? Absolutely. Is it important? Yes. But I am thinking, is this actually one of those things that he says, man, this makes up the very foundation and essence and strength of the church the breaking of bread was part of their culture of saying it'd be like, hey, t- today I would say something like, hey, let's go grab a bite to eat. You know, you know for you, you'd, Baptist, that means a whole lot of bites. But I mean, you know, in, in speaking, you know, in, in, in our culture, that, that's an idiom. It's a phrase. It's part of our culture. It's something that we would say of let's go grab something to eat. And it did mean that in, their, their bio, in the Bible days, but it also meant communion. So one of the foundations of the church was not just having communion, but it was communion with God. Now, don't tune me out, because I think we've turned this into a ritual. You know, we stand up there and say, like, take the wafer, and as often as you do, do it in remembrance of me. And I'm not trying to mock it by anything, but I tell you, anything we do over and over again, you know what I'm saying? You do it over and over again, it's like praying before a meal. Oh, we forgot to pray. You know, as everybody has rolls hanging out of their mouth and their fork is stuck in their salad and, you know, butter's drooling down their chin. And, you know, like, like, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Amen. It's just a routine, a ritual. And it's like we have to have communion and we're like, and I've got to get the Culver's and I'm hungry. And, you know, we're meeting people after church and we rush through it. Before Jesus died on the cross. Hours before the trial, hours before the cross. Jesus said in Luke twenty two fifteen, and he said unto them, with desire, listen to this, it wasn't just redundant. He said, with desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. With desire, I have desire. That word desire means a great and deep longing for. It means to set your heart upon, to long for, to cover, to desire you can imagine as Jesus is walking with them and he stops and he says, hey guys, before I suffer, think about the mindset of what's going through his mind. Not just suffer. Before I'm scourged to the point of bleeding out. Before they shove the crown of thorns on my head. Before they nail my hands and my feet. Before they, before they spit in my face. Before I get to that point. I desire to do this with you guys. And the communion was, is they, they went to the upper room and they came into this room and here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. And they were together. It was all these Christians that had all these things in common. Not, not the, not the 5,000 added to the church, not the 3,000 added to the church, not 
just these guys. I desired, man, I so, so deeply wanted this to happen. Close the door. I want every one of you to sit. I want to be with you. This wasn't outreach. It's not feeding the 5,000. It's not preaching to the masses. It wasn't any of those things. It was was Jesus. Shut the door. I don't want you working. I, I don't want any of those things. Just come in and sit. Just you and me. Why? This was so personal with Jesus. He taught them. He served them. He loved on them. Oh, he shared his heart. And then they worshiped together. I mean, the Bible literally says after he broke the bread and did all this, that they sang together. I mean, can you imagine sitting and singing with Jesus? Can you imagine what the song was? I, I, I know it wasn't anything that we had, but I guarantee the theme of the solid rock or how much he loves me or whatever, I mean, the theme of it was there. In Luke twenty two nineteen, 19, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it unto them saying, this is my body which is given to you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also this cup after supper, saying this is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Can I tell you this? We can eat a wafer and drink from a little cup and never still have communion. You say, wait a minute, that's communion? No, 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 Not, not according to what Jesus did. Do you understand? Communion was much deeper than that. It was was more than singing a song. It was more than a wafer. It was more than a, a ritual. It was more than a religious act. It was intimate fellowship with Jesus. Listen to how Paul put it. Listen to these words. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Now listen to this. How cool is this? Guess what the word communion means? Partnership. Same word. Listen, I'm not making this up. This is the Greek word. Participation, interaction. Does that that sound familiar to anybody in here? Does Does anybody, does that recall? Whatever, it's the same word. It's the same word that we already had for fellowship. But only, it's not just fellowship this way. Remember, the Spirit of God is vertical. It is is Him and me. It's me worshiping Him. And we talked about how it's horizontal with one another. But in the middle of that worship, in the middle of the church, God brings it back and says, hey, don't just fellowship with one another. Come and fellowship with me. It's Jesus. In this environment right here saying, hey, stop. 
know to go reach the world. And I, I know missions is impo- important. And, and I know you should be in the parking lot. And I, I know you should be leading people to Christ. And I know you should open doors. And I know you need to be doing those things. You come in here. You put it like this. Come in here and sit down. All of us. See, communion was an ordinance of the church. It wasn't something that you go home and do by yourself. I can go home and study by myself, and I can go home and pray by myself, and I can go home and fast by myself, and I can go home and worship by myself. But this was not something that God gave me to do by myself. This was something that God gave me to do with you guys. Amen. It's an ordinance of the church. Baptism it is an ordinance of the church. It's something that we do collectively to say, hey, we celebrate what God has done to commune with God. Now, now just stop and break down that thing. If we studied about fellowship is me, me partnershiping with Norm and me, me going out with Lloyd and we, we doing these things together and it's engaging one another and God says the same word again for fellowship with communion. Then what is God saying? God is literally saying to, to stop and I want to engage with you. I want to, as you come together, I want to be in the midst of that. And I want to partner with you. And I, I want to be there. Do you realize that on Sunday morning when we come together to commune with God, to focus on God, to thank Him for the blood, to thank Him for the bread, to thank Him for His body? It's this. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Here's a, oh my goodness. With great desire, I have desired this. With great desire, God has desired this. Think about that. With great desire, I want this. Come in and sit down, please. Come in and sit down. Hey, can we, can we tune out the world? Can we shut that door for a minute? Hey, can I just come alongside of you? Can I sit next to you? Can I fellowship with you? But it was instituted into the church. Because it's, it's not just about communing with God because this was definitely an institution but you think about when we do it collectively we sit shoulder to shoulder side by side row by row sinner by sinner I'm not pointing anybody but person that failed next to person that failed yeah. and person that dropped the ball next to person that dropped the ball we come together and God wanted the church that, that had all things in common because I think that sometimes as a person I mess up and sometimes as a person I get mad at you and sometimes as a person you get mad at me as they got mad at Judas and I guarantee you they got mad at Peter and Thomas said, I don't believe it until I see him. I get mad at Thomas saying, how can you not, man? How can you not? You know, we, we just get mad at each other. Because I'm flashing, you're flashing, you mess up and I mess up. It's what we do. 
take the bread. And I want you to have it, and you to have it, and you to have it, and you to have it, you to have it, you to have it. As often as you do this, do it in what? I am a sinner. See, it wasn't just communion with God. The whole communion, guys, wasn't a ritual. It wasn't just a wafer. It wasn't just a juice. It was communion with one another. Because if, if Christ died to forgive me, and I have communion with you, you see, you see it goes both ways. That communion, that fellowship that we have together, it's in remembrance that, hey, you've messed up, and hey, you dropped the ball, and hey, you sinned. Yes, you did, but there is forgiveness. The church must be united. Sin divides. I'm mad at you, and you're mad at me, and I'm not speaking to them, and I'm not even going there anymore, and how dare I'm not going back to life, that life group, and I don't don't, know. Sin divides. If we're divided, we are not the church because the church came together. And God says, oh, I know them. Like a parent knows his kids. Come in. Sit. Shut the door. And he passes it out. He said, remember, I died for you. Remember, you all failed. Remember the juice? It's my blood. Communion. Saying that, hey, I messed up, but I can get it right. See, sin divides, but blood heals. Amen. It brings us back together. It makes me whole again. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? And I, I think this communion that God was given, if, if you look down further in the, in the middle of it, and they were continuing, verse 46, and they continued daily and went accord in the temple. And they would gather and they would have the routines a lot like we would to, to have times to pray and time to read and time to things like that. And it says, and breaking of bread from house to house. He said, well, here we go with communion again. Oh, I don't think so. Listen, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. All of a sudden, we don't have just communion. Now all of a sudden we have the communion with one another after we have the communion with God. And this whole fellowship that God intended is saying, hey, when things are right with God, things are going to be right with one another. And it pulls us together to accomplish, to accomplish fellowship as a church that it brings us together and we face life together and we engage with one another and we make things right and we serve God together. That is the church. You have the mindset, well, there wasn't so many sinners down there and the place is filled with hypocrites. It is. And we've got room for one more, so come on in. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just who we are. Amen. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need the blood. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need the church. If we were perfect, we wouldn't mess up. This was vital. Let me show you how vital this is. There's another time that the word communion is used in scripture. And we talked about the fellowship and the connection. And it was intimate. It was engaging. It was yoking up. It was bonding together. And he warned and he said, hey, listen, you're going to be tempted with this 
In 2 Corinthians 6.14, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? You want to know where a lot of the church messes up? And now don't, don't read into this and saying, I shouldn't have lost friends. You should have lost friends. Jesus was a friend of sinners. You should be a friend of sinners. But when you start yoking up so tight with lost people that they rub off on you and you start becoming more like them, something's wrong. Iron sharpens iron. That's what makes us strong. That's why God says, you want friends, go to church. You want to be close to people, come to church. You want to build a bond that makes the church stronger, go to church. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is. There's something that should be found in here that should not be found in the world. But when we go out and we yoke up, we connect, we have fellowship or we're communing with the lost and in the world. And all of a sudden we're dragging our kids down in the world and you spend more time in the world than you do church. Something is wrong. I'm not saying quit your job and show up here every day. If you do, I hope you can vacuum because we'll use you. But I am saying that this is a priority because we need each other. Amen. Notice this family bond. Verse 45, and they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. You know what this was? It was personal sacrifice. Isn't it interesting how the personal sacrifice that we find with communion, that this is my body broken for you, was personal sacrifice from God to us. And then the same thing, he parallels communion and he said, I want you to commune with one another or to have that fellowship with one another. And then the following verse goes in and says, oh, by the way, it's going to cost you something. Now, I know back in the, that day, because the opposition was so good or great, and they, they were trying to tear down the church and shut down this ministry gospel that was going out, and everything was so strong, and because of that, they were burning their houses and beating on the doors. In Acts chapter 6, we see about the Stephen story and everything that happened. Opposition was great, and as they went through opposition, they would take their possessions and things that they'd have, they'd sell it and say, hey, move in with me. Here's some food money. We'll get through this together. It's going to cost you something. Without a doubt, there's a lot more to that word of they came together breaking of bread. No, it was forgiveness. It was strength. It was family. It was fellowship and worship with God. It was communion and fellowship and worship with one another. And this is what we find. But let me show you this. And we'll close with this. They were connected last, it says, in breaking of bread and in prayers. I know this sounds very cliche, the church gathering and they prayed. And, you know, we, you think about learning from walking with Jesus, okay? I mean, here's the disciples and they were teaching them all these things. Can you imagine this, all right? Can you imagine how cool this is? They were there and saying, hey, guys, can I tell you what Jesus did? One day we were out. And there was a person possessed with a demon, and and Jesus healed them. And one day we came to a lame man, and he couldn't walk with anything. And I'll tell you what, Jesus spoke the words. And one day we were out on the sea, and it was raging. It was horrible. And Jesus spoke the words, peace be still. One day, when we were out there, we had nothing to feed anybody. And Jesus said, can I have your loaves and fishes? And he, he fed everybody. 
Can I tell you that my God is an amazing God and my God can do amazing things and my God can go before us and my God, and they would turn around and say, what? I want that. And together they begin to take the apostles' doctrine and they begin to pray, put it like this, they begin to seek after God and saying, God, use us. God, we want that. God, this is a broken world. This is a sin-cursed world. They're falling apart. God, lead us. God, change us. In Acts 17, 6, and these that have turned the world upside down come hither also. You know what I've learned? That whatever they prayed for, God gave it to them. And as they were seeking after God and doing this, and I'm telling you, sometimes if we have empty altars and empty prayers and we sit there and say, why isn't God doing anything? You have not because you ask not. Until the church learns to hit their knees and cry out to God and come together and be united and forgive one another and and seek after God and truly worship, we will not truly be the church. And he made a promise that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And today I see Satan just walking in, kicking the doors down in churches and causing division and fate and, and, and backstabbing and everything else. And God says, that's not what I died for. That's not what I did. I came to unify. I came to strengthen. I came to forgive. I came to give you freedom through the blood of Jesus Christ, not division. Last verse. And the Bible says at the very end, they were praising God. And they continued daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and they'd eat their meat with singleness of heart and gladness. Gladness. Happy. They were happy. They faced the world and they were happy. They faced opposition and the singleness of heart means that they were filled, they were satisfied. It wasn't a bunch of people saying, I just don't know if that church thing works and I don't know why I should go back and that, because they were doing it. It wasn't a theory to them, they were doing it. They were passionate, they were committed, they were united, they were studying, they were learning, they were fellowshipping. They were doing the church, not attending a place. Praising God. Do you notice that that's the grand finale? And then it start with that because I tell you, when God's doing everything in your life, it comes out. It doesn't have to be provoked. It doesn't have to be stirred. You don't have to be dragged. You want to be there and it's going to come out.